is not for form or fashion. Lord, we do this because we mean it. We mean it. We don't always act, act like we love you, but I can say today, I can say with my brothers and sisters, we can say it. We know we mean it. God, we love you today. <laughs> is there anybody out there that agrees? We love you, Lord. We love you. We don't act like it always, but deep down in our hearts, we can say we love you, Lord God. And we're thankful. Now, Lord, as we open up the word, we're praying that it will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. We're praying for instruction, guidance, wisdom. We're praying for a sound mind. We're, pr we're, pr praying, we're praying for a renewed mind that only the Holy Spirit can do. If Myron Edmonds is the only one talking today, we're in trouble. Holy Ghost, start talking. Holy Ghost, start interfering and interrupting with our lives and our plans and our unwillingness to change and be adaptable to your plan. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. And amen. We got a new series we're starting today, everybody. Hallelujah. This series has been in the making for woo, several, several years now. Been been warning and agonizing and asking God, Lord, when can we when can we do a series on the book of James? Now, any Bible students in here ever read the book of James before? You already know that this is serious business right here. I always want to throw this out here. One of the most practical books in the Bible. If you need a spiritual punch in the gut, then I encourage you, join us as we study the book of James. The book of James. The book of James. Powerful book. And that's where we're going to be over the next several weeks, all the way into November, to the holiday season. We're going to be going into the book of James. What book did I say, everybody? Now, because the book is so practical and so nuanced and has, I mean, it's really, it's really not hard to understand at all. There's some of you, like, you want to you jumpstart your Bible study life. You want to be consistent in the Word. If I were to give you a book to say, hey, start here, the book of James is a good book to start. It's a good book to start. You don't need no Hebrew or Greek. You don't need to know how to do exegesis. Uh, literally, I could stand here and just read out of this book, and you'd be under conviction. I could just read out of it today, and you'd be under conviction. And so uh, the title of our, our series, the theme is James in your living room. Somebody shout James in your living room. Now I want you to tell your neighbor right now, because I said so. Come on, say amen. Be obedient. Look at your neighbor and say, James is coming to your living room. Tell him. Coming to your living room. Now, we're going to do something different this series. Normally, I'm a, I am a part of that tech generation. I love using Keynote and the slides, and I put scriptures on the screen. But for this series, because I want you to get in the habit of underlining your Bible, highlighting your Bible, and not dependent on the moving of the slides, the only thing I have on my slides today are the points of the message. But today, I want you to take out your Bible. Lord have mercy. Take out your Bible. Take out your, your device. And we're going to go to James chapter 1. We're going to go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And I'm going to wait for everybody to get there. The best way to get called out in this series is to not have no Bible, no device, I'm, look, I'm looking to call people out who don't have nothing, who don't have nothing around them. You need to at least look like, you could be on Facebook, but at least look like, at least look like you there. 
Look, we ain't doing this this series. There ain't going to be none of this. Oh, no. We're going to get in the Bible this series. Come on, say amen, somebody. There's nothing wrong with it being on the screen, but for this series, I want you to actually study with me, all right? I want you to actually study with me. I want you to actually study with me. I want to say shout out right now uh, to Pastor Kimberly Bolson. Today is her birthday. So she's now with us. Happy birthday to her. And I think next week uh, is Pastor Regina's birthday. And then the most important birthday of them all. October the 8th. Amen. Amen. It's my birthday. Somebody else's birthday is October the 8th here. Or somebody's anniversary. I think it's Kimon and, uh, and Mark, something like that. Anyway. Y'all ready? All right. So if you really want to follow me today, I had planned on reading out of the English Standard Version of the Bible, which has become one of my favorite versions. But, man, this Bible I have, the words used to look real big at one time. I can't see them no more. Seriously. I mean, so we're going to use the New International Version today because I brought a backup Bible. Come on, say amen. I got to stand behind the pulpit for this one. You can't, you can't walk around carrying this one. I got to lean on this here. James uh, chapter 1 is where we're going to, uh, to be today. All right? Amen and amen. All right. Uh, before we jump into the study, I just want to set it up now. Uh, praise God for, for Willie and the worship team for leading us out of his gut today. Praise the Lord. How many know that thing was real today? Praise God we don't have musicians that entertain us. These folks come in here with a heart to worship. I'm going to shout out Cullen and shout out Willie and shout, and shout out Michael. Come on, put your hands together and let's thank the Lord. We're blessed. Amen. We're blessed. All right, a couple of things you need to know as we get into this study right now that, that will be impactful for your understanding the book of James. Uh, first, the book of James, uh, and we're going to just dwell in chapter 1 today. Next week, we'll look at chapter 2 and onward. Uh, the book of James was written, most scholars agree, uh, by James, the brother of Jesus. Now, let me tell you why that's so powerful. Because the Bible says somewhere in the book of Luke that Jesus' own family, including his brothers, did not believe in him. The Bible says that they did not believe in him, but somewhere, somewhere around along the journey, James got convicted by his own brother's life and witness. Now, how many know one of the hardest people to reach is your own family? Come on, say amen. Imagine your brother said he was the Messiah. Come on, say amen, somebody. That's some hard stuff to take. But James is the brother of Jesus, and so this, this message is from uh, the man who, in fact, grew up with Jesus but did not receive Jesus' message until later on in life. Another interesting fact about James is that Peter and James were after Pentecost fell. You can read more about Pentecost in the book of Acts, chapters 1 and 2. Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church after Christ had ascended. James and Peter became one of the leading, leading, leading uh, 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 apostles in the church. James is also uh, known for not only uh, his ministry uh, as, uh, as the leader of the early church, but James is also known specifically for being one of the key leaders that opened up the minds of the traditional Jewish church to receive the Gentiles. You can read about that in Acts, the 15th chapter. So we're talking about somebody who was very influential in the early church. And this book of five chapters is one of the most controversial books that was ever let into the biblical canon. As a matter of fact, Martin Luther and others despised the book of James. 
There are other people. The last book that was let, let in the biblical canon, out of all the 66 books, when they were, when they were uh, discussing and praying over which books were authentic, the last book they let in was the book of James. Because they felt James was too controversial. James didn't sound like a gospel message book because James causes us to live out our faith in our living room. There's not a lot of theology in this book. There's a lot of, this is what you ought to be doing. This is the way you ought to be living. These are the things that a Christian should do. These are the things that a Christian should not do. And so people don't like the book of James because the book of James gets all in your house. The book of James gets all on your mouth. The book of James talks about faith and works. The book of James, you know this, has so many one-liners. Faith without works is dead. The book of James is a book about how to live your life every day, not just in front of righteous people, but in front of the world. The world is watching you, so the book of James says you got to live your life in such a way that it makes a difference in the people that you see. How many give God praise for that today and believe that your life is a witness? Who believes that today? Believes that today. So, here's the setup for the book of James. I want you to go with me to the book of Acts, the eighth chapter. Let's go to the book of Acts, the eighth chapter. It's not on the screen. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Acts, the eighth chapter, sets the context for the book of James. Acts, chapter 8. What book did I say, everybody? Acts, chapter 8. Uh, most scholars agree that the book of James was written somewhere between uh, after Pentecost and the actual the actual invitation and the reception of the Gentiles to, to come into faith in Christ. So this is the oldest book of the New Testament. It's the oldest book, the oldest book. Are you ready now? Acts chapter 8. What book did I say, everybody? Acts chapter 8 tells us the situation behind the words that you are getting ready to see from this very powerful book. If you are they, there, say, I'm there. Are you there? All right. Before we read this verse, does anybody know what happened in Acts chapter 7? Any Bible students? What happened in Acts chapter 7? Say that again. The stoning of Stephen. So just a little background. What happened with Christianity at this moment is that Christianity began to explode after the Holy Spirit fell on the church. And it began to grow by leaps and bounds. As a matter of fact, if you look in chapter 6, chapter 6 says that Christianity started spreading like wildfire and so powerfully that even the priests that killed Christ have begun to accept the faith. By now, we don't know how many have joined, but we know in chapter 2, the Bible says 3,000 came in. In chapter 4, the Bible says that daily they were being added. In chapter 5, the Word of God says that you couldn't even count the numbers. Some scholars would agree that just in a matter of weeks, over hundreds of thousands of people began to come to faith in Christ. And so what happens anytime something good happens? Some controversy happens. And I just want to tell you right now, if you take, if you have any Good spiritual moments. Some of y'all know this to be true. If you have anything positive to happen to you, you can expect the enemy to show up, especially if it's of a spiritual nature. It's one of the reasons why I tell folks all the time, when we're doing this church thing, this church thing is warfare, y'all. What we're doing right now is warfare. Somebody's life is being changed. You may not, the, the word may not even be for you, but there's somebody here right now. God set this whole thing up. Some of y'all know it because you've been there, where you've been in the service and you didn't know if anybody else was getting it, but you're like, this is for me. The, the whole worship set, the, the sermon, everything has been for me. It's warfare. And anytime Satan sees progress, Satan tries to find a way to stop progress, to discourage people, to divide people, and especially to distract people. So one of the things that happened in Acts chapter 6 is the Bible says they start fussing and fighting with each other. The Bible says that the, uh, uh, the, the Gentiles and some of the Jews started arguing over who was getting the most food. 
So the Bible says we need to organize. It said, let's get some deacons together. And one of the deacons that came together uh, that led these deacons was a guy named Stephen. Y'all ever heard of Stephen? The Bible says Stephen was mighty in the word, deacons. All the deacons in here, y'all holler at me real quick. The Bible says Stephen was mighty in the word. This brother was a deacon. He just didn't have a set of keys on his hip. Come on, he just didn't unload and pack up uh, materials and set up stuff for service. The Bible says the man was so strong in the word that when he preached, man, things would happen. He was healing people, casting out devils. And the Bible says that a man named Saul started organizing an all-out assault on the church. And one of the first people they wanted to take down was a man named Stephen. The Bible says in Acts chapter 7, Stephen was stoned. While he was stoned, the Bible says he began to give God praise and he began to give God glory. And I believe James was impacted by that because watch what happens. Watch what happens in Acts, the eighth chapter, Acts chapter 8. Actually, I'm in the wrong Bible. I don't even know why I got that Bible there because I can't read nothing in it because it's too small. Acts chapter 8. I'm in the NIV, right? That's what I said. So if you're on your device, it's the NIV. Whatever version you're in, don't matter. You'll get the message. Watch what happens in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. The Bible says, and Saul was there giving approval to his death. To whose death, everybody? To Stephen. While Stephen was being stoned, the Bible says Saul was there giving approval to his death. Saul that eventually became Paul. The Bible goes on to say, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all, how many everybody? All except the apostles. Key word here right now. I'd underline this. I'd make a note of this. This is critical to understanding uh, the context for which James is speaking in his book. This is going to influence everything we're going to talk about going here on out. The Bible says the first thing that happened is a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem and all. How many, everybody? All except the apostles were scattered throughout where? Judea and Samaria. So here's the context of the book of James. In the book of James, as James is, is writing to God's people, the thing that's happening that causes him to write this is that God's people are being persecuted and being scattered. Has everybody got that? So if you're taking notes, the first thing you need to understand is that the book of James is being written to people who are being persecuted and people who are being displaced, being made to be uncomfortable. The book of James is for folks who are catching hell. The book of James is for folks who are going through a lot of trials and tribulations. As a matter of fact, let's get real. Uh, the book of James is being written specifically. We know that during the persecution that people were being killed. Funerals were being had. We know very specifically that the, the persecution got so intense, Brother Cabrus, that they literally had to disperse from Jerusalem. So many of the Christian base was in Jerusalem. And I'll tell you now, it's really easy. It's really easy to be a Christian when you're huddled together with a bunch of other Christians. But when persecution came, they all spread outside of Jerusalem and began to go to Judea and Samaria. So, so get this in your mind now. Get a picture of God's people no longer comfortable. They're on the run now. They've had to displace themselves. They had to pick up and leave. They had to take their kids. They're being assaulted. They're being attacked by the enemy. Their lives are at stake. And the Bible says, and Paul. We know who's, who was Saul, but we're just going to call him Paul now so you won't get confused. Paul, one of the leading men of the gospel, uh, who would be one of the leading men of the gospel, is actually the one carrying out the persecution. You got it now? And under these circumstances, let's now go to James chapter 1, 
Because that is the situation that's happening in James 1. In James 1. Everybody now go back to James chapter 1. Everyone go now to James chapter 1. Now that we know the situation, now we can understand what's being said. The Bible says in James chapter 1, if you're there, say I'm there. All right, the Bible says James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this now. To the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. You got that? So we know who he's talking to. He's talking to people who've just come to faith in Christ, and as soon as they come to faith in Christ, they are tested immediately. Folks died for their faith. Let me just pause here and say this. Like, most of us have grown up in a Christianity that has been totally untested. No, 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 no. Understand me. Now, I'm talking about tested uh, in, a, in, a, in a sense of when you compare how we're being tested to the early Christians, people dying, people losing homes, people being scattered. Many of us have not experienced that kind of trial yet where our faith is tested. Some of us, to be sure, have had to be tested with the Sabbath and our job and things of that nature, but still relatively comfortable. Can you imagine just because you believe in Jesus, somebody's trying to kill you? that you have to hide. But, but this is one thing I know to be sure, that God allowed the persecution to break up all of these Christians who were huddled together in one area. And through the persecution, God was able to scatter the message and the truth to other places. The good news is sometimes you got to go through some stuff in order that somebody can get what you got. Who says amen to that? How many know your witness is the strongest when you're catching hell? I don't think I don't think people I don't know how many people are led to Christ when you when you got a promotion, but I know people are led to Christ when they saw you get uh, get written up, and they saw you had to come into work and still be kind even though you know the person that wrote you up and reported you to human resource. And so watch what he says here now. He says, I'm talking to people who are catching it. I'm talking to people who are uncomfortable. I'm talking to people who are unsettled. And listen what he says. The first thing that comes out of his mouth is this. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever. Notice he didn't say if. Are y'all in your word? Paul did, uh, John didn't, James, I'm getting all of them mixed up. James didn't say. He didn't say if you face difficulty. He says you need to count it all joy whenever. Somebody shout whenever. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, onward, verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance, verse 4, must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. The Bible says in verse 5, and if any of you lacks anything like wisdom, he should do what, everybody? He should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Verse 6, but when he asks, he must believe. And not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Verse 7, are y'all still with me today? The Bible says, the man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. Why? Verse 8, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. And so, so watch this now. Let, let's just pause for a minute and, and capture this first point. Uh, talking now to individuals who were in a position of comfort, they have now been displaced, and they're catching hell from the enemy. The message to us is this. He says, count it all joy. 
consider a joy. Now notice, he didn't say enjoy it. Sometimes in our super religious ways, we can make people think that, you know, we're supposed to enjoy trials. Like, come on, it didn't say pray for trials. It didn't say pray for difficulty. Like it says, but when you catch it, he says consider, count it, uh, call it. Let your attitude and perspective see joy in it. Why? He says, because the testing of your faith, and I'm going to work that word in a minute, the testing of your faith, this is a test of your faith. Anytime you're catching a trial or tribulation, it is always a test of your faith. And he says, when your faith is tested, he says, then that's when maturity happens. Then that's when things are added. Growth does not happen without testing. The very thing many of us, and I'm with you, I don't, want, I don't want no trials. I don't want to go through nothing in my marriage. I don't want nothing to happen to my kids. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to be broke. I don't want people to bother me. I don't want people to talk about me. I just want to, I, anybody just want to enjoy life. I, mean, I, don't, I, just want, I, just want, I don't want no problems from anybody. I don't want no drama. I want money in my bank account. I don't, I don't want nothing to happen to my kids. I want them to have all A's all the time. I don't want nobody to be sick. I don't want no problems. Anybody here feel that? I just don't want nothing. I just want, why can't we just do the Lord's will and not have nothing bad happen to us? But the Bible says whenever. Doesn't say if. But here's the good news. The good news is this. He says, he says what we understand that other people don't understand is that when we are facing trials, the trials are a testing of our faith. Now, the title of our message is, is stay in school today. Stay in school, all right? So the word testing is a powerful word. In the, in, in the Greek, this is the picture that it gives. And many of you remember this from an old Sabbath school lesson a little while ago. It talked about the crucible. You know what a crucible is? See, the word uh, for testing comes from this idea of a silversmith taking silver and putting it in this thing, this cauldron, this container, if you will, called a crucible that was, that was, that was heated up with fire. And as the metal sat in the crucible, the metal began to melt. And as the metal melts, something like silver or gold, as it began to melt, uh, what would happen is, is that the pure pure aspects of the metal would, would sink to the bottom, and the dross, that's an old word. Anybody remember the word dross? It's in some of your hymns. Dross are the impurities. Dross are the things that don't need to be in it. Dross are the things that dilute the ability for the silver to shine, and the heating process causes the separation. Are y'all hearing me in here today? In other words, he says, I'm testing you. I'm heating you up. Because there's something in you that's worth, that has value to it. But, but you can't see it unless I cause a separation to take place. I know this to be true. I know that trials make me stronger. I know that trials improve me and mature me and reveal to me who I really am in the Lord. You don't know who you are until you catch it. There's got to be a separation. And so what would happen is, is it wouldn't happen one time. They would heat it and melt it. The separation would happen, and they would remove the dross from the top. They'd heat it again, and they would separate. They'd remove more. And they would keep doing it until there was no more dross in it. 
And when all the dross was removed, they would let it harden, and then they would buff it. And then when they would buff it, uh, 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 the silversmith knew that it was pure when he could see his own image in the silver. Y'all not catching it right now. Do you see what God is doing in your life with the hard times? God is trying to take some stuff out of you so that what's inside of you can be seen. But more importantly, he's trying to do it so that his image, his can you can't be like the Lord unless you're catching some trials. You can't be like Jesus unless you're catching affliction. You can't have patience like the Savior unless your patience is being tested. And so James says, uh, 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 look at all the kinds of trials you can experience. He says, put them all together. And I'm telling you this, when you experience these trials, these trials are coming to do something for you, not to you. Any witnesses in here know what I'm talking about? How many can say like Marvin said, I'm wiser and I'm stronger, I'm better. This is a hard lesson to receive because don't nobody want this. But here's the, here's the truth of the matter. Christians are not made in good times. Faith is not produced when you have nothing to trust God for. So the first point that I want to give you, throw this on the screen. The first point I want to give you that, that he is making to people who are struggling is this. Number one, choose a growth mindset instead of a graduation mindset. Write that down. Write it down, type it down, put it in your notes. It's going to be important for your study. Choose, what everybody? A growth mindset instead of a graduation mindset. So notice what James says here. He says, here's the tendency. The tendency when you're catching hell is to think that God is mad at you, that God's not with you. That while you're being tested, that there's something wrong. But James is saying, no, there's something right going on here. Because your faith is actually learning to experience a thing called perseverance. Notice what he says in the text. Go back to it for a second. I want you to just take a look at it real quick. Notice, notice what he says here. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith, verse 3, develops. Y'all hear that? It develops. It develops. Develops is a word about growth. Christians are committed to growing. If you're committed to growing, you don't throw out hard times. Because you know that growth can only happen when you're experiencing a challenge. Are y'all hearing me here today? You cannot grow outside of a challenge. And the amazing thing is, is many of us, though, have chosen a graduation mindset. See, we expect children to grow. We expect that to happen. My son went away to Pine Forge, and he came back, and he's taller than my, my wife. That's supposed to happen. Come on, say amen. That's supposed to happen. We expect that to happen. We expect that a baby, when a baby is learning to walk, we expect them to fall. Do we not? And we know that falling is a part of learning how to walk. Don't we all accept that? The problem is, is once a child has finished school and has gotten to be an adult, then we kind of have psychologically this mindset that says that we really don't need to grow anymore. There are many of us in here right now committed to no growth. They're not committed to growth. It, it amazed me. I was reading something the other day. It says, um, you know, uh, Warren Buffett, y'all know him, one of the richest men in the world. Um, um, what's the guy who owns Microsoft? Bill Gates, 
All these guys, listen here. You know what these, you know what all these people do? They still read. Say Bill Gates takes two weeks out of every year to just read. Says, says that Warren Buffett reads one book every week. Now look, I'm gonna tell y'all right now, and this is why the Lord hadn't given me that money yet. If I if I'm worth 60, 70 million, uh, a billion, excuse me, what I got to read for? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do I need to be studying? What can anybody teach me? <laughs> Are you hearing me, brother? Listen, I got 80 billion in the bank. What author out there can add value to my life? <laughs> but see, that's one of the reasons why they got what they got, because they are lifelong learners. Many of us have stopped growing because we've stopped learning. I preached this last night in Toronto. I think, honestly, this is just my strong opinion as I study the scriptures. I think one of the reasons why many people are going to be lost is because they get into a position of just being in a fixed mindset where they will not change, they will not grow, they get older, they stop learning, they, 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 they become inflexible, they won't adapt to anything. I'm telling you all right now, just because you get older doesn't mean you're supposed to be more set in your ways. It is a dangerous thing to ever get set in your ways because what happens is, is the Holy Spirit begins to try to process and move you and develop you and grow you, but he can't do that with a person who does not want to grow. I hope you're hearing me today. Many of us have a graduation mindset, and that's why we're offended if anybody has to teach us anything. Because we think spirituality is about getting to a level, and once I'm at that level, then I've accomplished whatever I need to accomplish. But how many know when you're walking with the Lord, you never stop growing? How many know when you're walking with the Lord, you never stop learning? When you're walking with the Lord, you never stop developing and increasing and trying to figure out new ways to, to be better in your walk with the Lord, better in your relationships, better in your communication, better in your love, better in your service. And I'm telling you right now, here's a danger zone moment. Here's a danger zone moment. If you're in a place right now and you have not learned anything new, you have not grown in your walk with the Lord, if your stuff looks the same that it did last year, then guess what? The Lord's got something for you. He's going to send some trials your way. He's going to let them come because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you to grow, so he allows the heat to be turned up. Is there anybody here right now learning some stuff? Because you know you learn it because you're catching the heat right now. Anybody in the heat right now, guess what? That means God knows there's something inside of you. Oh, Hallelujah. Anybody in here catching some hell right now, and you're catching it from different situations? The King James Version says, well, count it all joy when you suffer trials of diverse temptations. I mean, you got trials coming from everywhere. Your body ain't acting right. Your kids ain't acting right. Your finances not acting right. There's just stuff. Anybody know about stuff? Just stuff. You just got stuff everywhere. Ah, James says, he says, but, but, a, but, a, but a believer, their mindset is different. Their mindset is, I'm growing in this. I'm going to find something to learn about this situation. I'm not going to be offended because somebody hurt my feelings. I'm not going to, maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm overly sensitive. Maybe I've got a pride problem. Maybe I've got, a, I've got an inflexibility issue. I, I, we've always got to look at life and say, what can I learn from this? Our tendency, the first thing we do is because we have a graduation mindset, 
if, the, if, if something happens to us, especially relationally, what's wrong with them? Well, learners are always asking the Holy Spirit. They're saying, Holy Spirit, show me. Teach me something. Come on, it's all right. But we got so much pride. We don't want nobody to tell us nothing. We don't never want to be in a learning position. Now, let me say this. I, this is one of the reasons why I'm so pro-education. Now, there are multiple ways to be successful in life. And I'll be the first to tell you, you don't have to go to college in order to be successful. All right? But I ain't talking about college. I'm talking about education. Uh-oh. Are you hearing me now? I didn't go get an education. I'm being educated. There's a difference. I've got master's degree. I got doctor degree. And guess what I've learned after all of that? I still don't know nothing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The more you learn, the more you don't know nothing. Because you can learn facts. You can learn books. You can learn research. You can learn where to go find information. But how many know the Lord knows so much about us, and the Lord has forgotten more about me than I'll ever know about myself? And the knowledge that we really need to grow in is learning who we are as people. And the only way you learn who you really are is you got to go through some stuff. It's just, I'm serious. Uh, you cannot grow outside of pain. You can't grow outside of being challenged. You can't grow outside of being insulted. Now listen, I, I'm talking to, you, to us who live in relative comfort, but James is talking to people who are seeing people literally be burned at the stake singing hymns. James is talking to people who are seeing their children being killed for their faith in Christ. James is talking to people who, who are literally seeing the Apostle Paul set up, set up jurisdiction in their neighborhoods and literally uh, displacing them and separating families. James is talking to people who are catching hell. And he's saying, I know you just came out of a funeral. Count it joy. Can I, can I add a little Paul in here right now? Romans 8. Romans 8 tells us this. Romans 8, 28. It says, this is why. See, when you're a believer, you always win. Always. You're never losing. Even if you get humiliated and embarrassed, guess what? You can learn something from it. Even if you fall flat on your face, anybody out here, get busted, do something stupid, guess what? It's not an L in terms of a loss. It's an L in terms of a learning experience. And if I'm learning, I'm growing. And that's why the Bible says, and we know. He said, I know this, that all things, all things, when you're a believer, all things, all things, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Like nothing is happening to me. Things are only happening for me. One of the reasons why many of us are not growing because our mindset is so negative that we're not able to see the hand of God even in our difficulties. The Bible is telling you right now that when you go through it, things are being added. Here's the second point. Here's the second point. I want you to skip down in James, and I want you to go to, don't put it up on the screen yet, but go to James uh, chapter 9, I mean, verse 1, chap, uh, verse, um, chapter 1, verse 19. Go to James chapter 1 and verse 19. So notice what he's saying. He's saying, I know you're going through it. I know you're catching it. Your faith is being tested. 
He said, but things are being added, count it all joy. Have a growth mindset. Have what kind of mindset, everybody? A growth mindset. Oh, let, let me, let's just get this in our spirit right now. Uh, somebody just needs to make this confession. Father, I want to grow. Father, I want to grow. Father, I want to learn. I don't want to be resistant. I don't want to be hard-hearted. I don't want to be stubborn. I don't want any of those things to be said about me. I don't want to be stiff-necked. I want to be the kind of person that is open to grow. I want to be the kind of person that is, that is open to you leading me and chastising me. And I'm not going to get mad about it. Because watch this here. Notice what he says. Notice what he says. Here's the second point you got to get. The second point you got to get in verse 19 is this. And notice his follow-up point. Are you, are you there? Verse 19, are you there? Are you there? All right, watch this. Watch this follow-up point. It's brilliant how he writes this. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and here's the key right here, and slow to become what? Slow to become angry. Verse 20, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Verse 21, therefore, somebody shout therefore, get rid of of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Pause right there. Here's the second point. Put it on the screen for me right. Point number two is this. Point number two is what's natural is rarely ever profitable. What's natural is rarely ever profitable. So watch what he says here. He says, you're catching hell. You're going through it. You're being persecuted. You're being challenged. You're having to change, and you don't like change. Come on. Amen. Nobody here likes to change. We don't want to change. We just want to be comfortable. We don't want nobody bother us. We just want to be successful. <laughs> we just want blessings. <laughs> we just want to be good. I want no problems. He says, but I know your mindset. When you catch in hell, your first reaction is you're going to get angry. He says, but your anger don't produce righteousness. Somebody start talking about you. I'm going to tell you what James is saying. Somebody lied on you. Somebody got on your last nerve. I don't know what that ever means. What does that mean? The last nerve. I was like, what is that? I don't know what that means. Huh? You know, somebody, somebody got under your skin. Because let's just be honest, most of the stuff we're going through, I mean, it ain't abstract stuff. It's people. It's people driving us crazy. It's people making us pray. It's people, it's people tempting us to cuss. And let's be honest, our natural disposition in this world that we're living in, when people are going through pain, the natural disposition is not to, to, to get deeper into God. It's to self-medicate on alcohol, self-medicate on drugs, self-medicate on anger, self-medicate on food. But really, we like being angry. Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Why are they testing me? Why, are they, why, 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 why? I don't like this. I don't need to be going through this. And Jesus said, anger don't produce righteousness. Anger don't produce righteousness. He said, remember what I just told you. I need you to count it joy. He said, you can't choose joy and choose anger. Some of the joy some of y'all have chosen is an angry, fake-looking joy. I'm going to praise him anyway. I'm here, Pastor. I'm still praising the Lord. But I hate them. Look, the Bible says, look, this stuff is supposed to grow us, not make us go into a natural response. And I want you to get this. Put point number two back on the screen again. When we're going through hard times, our natural reaction is to act natural. It's to do the natural response. It's to get into the flesh. 
It's to be fleshy. It's to be carnal. It's to think of me. It's to think of who bothering me and who's offending me and why am I going through this and why didn't this happen for me and I did this and I did that and me, me, me. And it's all me and your, and your judgment begins to get clouded. And James is saying, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. He says, try to hit a reset button. Try to pause for a minute and say, Father, how can I learn from this? How can I learn from this? Where area of my life are you trying to get me to grow in? What area of my life are you trying to get me to progress in? What are you trying to develop in me? It's not always them. Sometimes God's trying to develop us. And now is not the time to get angry. Because anger doesn't produce righteousness. And so what the, we need to understand is, is what is natural is rarely ever profitable. When you are going through difficult times, your first reaction is generally a wrong reaction. Give up, quit, complain, be mad, blame others, disengage, stop coming to church. There was a study done the other day, 15 million Seventh-day Adventists have left the church since 1965. The number one reason, personal problems. Not, not doctrine, not judgment. People go through it. People, go be, people be going through it. They're not leaving just because, I mean, that's a myth. If people leave the church because church is so bad. No, people leaving because they're catching hell. It's not easy being a, a follower of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Am I telling the truth, somebody? Number one reason, 15 million people left, is because they're catching it and the personal problems overwhelm them. And one of the things that the enemy wants us to do is he wants us to quit. But God wants us to have a different mindset and see that anger and bitterness does not add righteousness. I need to ask myself, how can I count this joy? How can I see what God is trying to add? How can I see what kind of character he's trying to perfect in me? He is putting me in the crucible. He's putting me in the furnace. He's putting me in there. Why? Because there's some value in me. There's some stuff in me he wants to get out. All right, last one. Last one. Go now to James chapter 1 and verse 22. And here's, here's his appeal. He says, now, he said, let me get this in your mind. It almost sounds insensitive to somebody who just had a funeral. It almost sounds insensitive to somebody who just saw their husband burned because of their belief. This stuff sounds insensitive to somebody who was literally being displaced because of their faith in Jesus Christ. This sounds insensitive to somebody who's been molested, uh, somebody who's been abused, somebody who got fired, somebody whose kids are not talking to them, somebody who's experiencing a divorce. Whatever it is, whatever the diverse trial or tribulation that you're in right now, if you're catching hell, it almost sounds like, dude, where's the compassion? He said, here's the compassion. He says, uh, I need you to, and listen, there's other books where you can get this from, but James is basically saying, man, get yourself together. Pull yourself together. God is doing something inside of you. See this thing differently. This is not all bad. Hallelujah. Somebody feels me today. This is not all bad. I see God's hand at work in here. I see him removing some stuff and putting some stuff in. In other words, he's saying, listen, if you're going to go to the next level in God, he says your mindset's got to shift. He says, now, now, he said, now, I don't want you to get this. Here's the last one, last few verses. He says, do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Y'all bored, okay. I don't care. <laughs> he says, listen to the word. 
do what it says. Watch this. I love this part. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. See, what happens is when you're going through trials and tribulations, I mean, come on, let's just be honest. You're not thinking about Scripture. <laughs> Listen, when you catch in the hell, the first thing that doesn't come to your mind, oh, it's time to praise the Lord. <laughs> you have a marriage problems, oh, it's time to get in the Word. Come on, talk to me, everybody. When you're catching hell, one of the natural reactions is to disengage spiritually, to go into a pity party, to go into yourself, to go into why me? And notice what he says here. James is saying, I don't need you right now to forget what you look like. You just looked into the Word. You was just in church last week, and the pastor preached a sermon on September the 28th telling you that if you're a believer, you're going to catch it. So if you catch it on the 29th, if you catch it on the 30th, if you catch it in October, don't forget what you heard. I promise you that what I'm preaching today is going to be a prophecy in somebody's life. And your temptation, see, some of y'all ain't paying attention. You're like, I don't know what time is going in. And that's what James is saying. He said, you heard something. And if you had leaned into what you were hearing, you would have had something to get you through what you're about to go through. Now, I can barely contain myself from what I'm about to read. He says... He says, do the word. Don't just listen to it. Don't just believe it. Do it. Not when you feel like it. When you don't feel like it. Christians, how do I know you're a believer? Because I need to see you doing the word when it's not convenient, Sean Hunt. I need to see you forgiving when you really don't want to forgive. I need to see you committing in service and laying in it on God. I'm going to preach to my church now. I know my church very well. And one of the things that the enemy has captured our hearts with is when we go through stuff, we disengage. And James says, not an excuse. Anybody in here getting their, getting their behind kicked? By the police because you believe in Jesus? Anybody in here getting locked up because you believe in his word? Anybody in here got threatened with your life like they are in China right now because you believe in the word of God? We are living in relative comfort. Yes, we have problems. But James is saying, not an excuse not to do what God says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says. It's like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and forgets what he looks like. How silly is that, right? And after looking at himself, he goes away. Y'all still here? And forgets immediately what he looks like. Verse 25. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, and here's the key word, continues to do this. What do your versions say? Huh? Continue therein. Any other versions? Continue in. Uh, in other words, he's saying not no pop-up obedience. Not no pop-up, I'm going to apply the word. 
No, a person that is consistent. Ooh, where are the consistent believers that are constantly trying to lean into God's Word, constantly trying to apply His Word, not just hearing the sermon, but saying, I'm going to take this thing, and when I catch hell tomorrow, I'm going to break out in a praise. I know it sounds stupid, and it doesn't sound logical, and I know pastor, he has to say that because he's a preacher, and it's in the Bible. But what he's saying right now is, is if you do this, now watch this. Oh, this is why we got to read this and not see it on the screen. Watch what he says right now. He says, uh, verse 25, but the man who continues, the man who looks intently to the perfect law that gives freedom and, and continues, somebody shall continues continues to do this, not forgetting what he heard, but doing it. Watch what it says. He will be blessed in what he does. The Bible says that when we are catching hell and we take in a growth mindset and we say, for God I'll live, for God I'll die. I don't know. I don't care what's happening around me that makes me uncomfortable. I don't care what's happening. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care if they're talking about me. I don't care if my body is sick. I'm going to apply the word. I'm going to do what God said. The Bible says those kinds of people are the people that get blessed. Did anybody see this? Anybody want a blessing? Blessings come from obedience. Put it on the screen. Put the point on the screen. The blessing isn't in the agreeing, but in the applying. Come on, Willie. Three points. If you're going to stay in school and don't drop out. We got some dropouts here today. But you need to jump back into school. You stay, you stay learning. You stay leaning in. We're not dropping out. Anybody here say, Pastor, I feel you today. I can't drop out. I can't quit. I can't give up. Can't do it. Because God is doing something inside of me. This is all working for me. This is all a part of his plan. This is all a part of his purpose. This is all a part of where he's taking me. This is all a part of his plan to make me like, like himself. I, I, I can't quit on this. But what I am going to do is I'm not going to act natural. I'm going to go spiritual. I'm going to handle stuff spiritually. And I'm not going to call that idealism. Oh, yeah, I know. I know we're supposed to do that, but you don't know how I feel. You're not going to be blessed. James says the blessing comes from the crazy people who stay in school even though they feel like they're failing and they want to quit. I'm not jumping out because it gets hot. I'm not jumping out because I got an F one day. Who knows, maybe next week I'll get an A. Who knows, maybe the week after that I might learn something. And I found out that every test is designed to teach me something. Even if I get a big fat red F on it, that big fat red F means fail forward. Because the blessing comes to those that are willing to apply God's word when it's the most uncomfortable. Now, here's the amazing thing about this. I don't have to do anything as a pastor. You know, I want my people to grow so much. But I don't have to do anything to make this happen. You know why? Because you're going to face something tomorrow. Might be the day. See, life is going to help this sermon come to pass. Something about to happen. Y'all better listen to me. And what you don't need to do is look in the mirror and forget what you look like. 
Remember what Myron Edmonds said through the prophet James on September the 28th that you are going to catch some hell. You are going to be tempted to give up. You're going to be tempted to pull a little way, a little bit back from God. Or pull a little way back from his service. Pull a little bit back from his will so that you can try to fix whatever problems you got going on. And James said, that's not how you get blessed. He says, you get blessed by start applying the word. So, so here we're going to go. This is a quick test. Because it's going to happen today. It's going to happen today. I want somebody to count it all joy when you get bad news. You don't have to feel it. Matter of fact, guess what? Somebody right now is in a count it all joy moment. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Who are you? If you're here, come stand with me right now. If you're in a moment right now where it ain't joy, but you're going to count it joy, come here right now. Come here right now. If you're in one of the moments right now, I'm in a, it ain't joy, but I've got to count it joy. I'm going to start, I'm going to start applying the word. Because put point number three back on the screen for me. Because here's the key piece, y'all. We got to remember the blessing isn't in agreeing. Ooh, good word. Ooh, James is good. I'm going to read this on Sabbath when the pastor's preaching about it. Ooh, that's true. I can't disagree with that. Ain't no blessing in agreeing. There's no blessing in saying, I believe in God. There's no blessing in saying, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. There's no blessing in saying, I I believe the Scripture. There's no blessing in any of that. The blessing is in applying what you know to situations where it's not easy to apply it. You're not a loving person until you have to deal with unloving people. I'm a good person, not until you have to deal with people who are not good. I'm good with money. I want millions. Not until you learn how to manage what you got right now. Apply the word, apply the word, apply the word, apply the word. And without question, how can you apply it if you ain't studying it? If you ain't in his word, how can you apply it if you're not trying to grow? I want to challenge somebody right now that they read the whole book of James in the next 24 hours. You literally can read it in 10 minutes. I'm not talking about speed reading. It's a short five book. Now, I'm going to challenge somebody because you're hungry. You're saying, look, I just need to come out of a comfort zone. The natural thing for me tomorrow is to get all ready for game day. But let me do something different. I ain't, I ain't saying I ain't going to watch the game, but I'm going to at least read the book of James. Because something might happen in that game where I'm going to need to count it all joy. It's going to be a rough next few weeks for y'all. Come on, say amen. <laughs> yeah. Huh? But I mean, I mean, that's flippant. That's kind of like light and funny. But no, really, some of you right now, if you just lift your hands, if you know you're here, and say, Pastor, I got some real stuff that I'm facing right now, and it's bigger than some old stupid football game. And I need to learn how to apply the word. So I start living this thing. You're not religious if you agree. You're religious if you apply it, if you practice the word, if you continue in it. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, right now, God, this is where we're struggling. (laughs) We're not struggling in knowledge. We're not struggling in agreeing that uh, what the scripture says. Oh, we may disagree here and there, and we may not understand this passage. That's good, but there's a great big old book with 66 books, with a great big old Bible with 66 books in it, and and we struggling to apply three or four scriptures, like loving our enemies and being patient 
and being kind and being merciful and learning how to wait on God. Oh, we, we don't mastered how to agree. What we have not mastered is how to apply. And God, right now, somebody's got their hands lifted because they need to learn to apply the word to their lives. So, Father, help us to be doers and not hearers. Doers and not hearers. Doers and not hearers. There's somebody here right now, every time they get around their friends, they compromise. Every time they get around people, and all the, and all the while they've been walking around talking about, no, nah, man, I'm not influenced by nobody. Peer pressure don't bother me. But there's somebody in here right now, the Holy Spirit is trying to teach you some stuff about yourself. Every time you get around a certain group of people, you compromise every time because you're afraid to apply the word. Nobody wants to look stupid. Nobody wants to look overly religious. But is there anybody here today that wants to get to a place where you say, I will not keep silent. I will always worship you as long as I'm breathing. I will always worship you. Anybody need work today? Lift your hands. You need work. You know that you're that you a lifelong learner. You don't got it all figured out. Is there any humble people in here right now who say, I'm going to stay in school? I'm going to stay in school. The Holy Spirit, teach me what you need to teach me. Teach me what you need to teach me, Holy Spirit. Uh, whatever I need to learn, I, I sit down in your classroom and I say, Spirit of the living God, walk me through some stuff. Teach me some stuff because I don't want to stay where I am. I want to grow. Those that receive this right now, just say, thank you, Lord. I thank you. I receive that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. You may return to your seats in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Somebody shout, learn from it. Come on now, somebody shout, learn from it. Let's put our hands together and give God a praise for his word. Come on now, we're praising God for his spirit. We're going to apply it in the name of Jesus. We're going to ask our deacons that they will come forward right now, wait on us for the lifting of the tithes and offerings. Again, if you were not here earlier in the service, I'd like also to ask my ushers if they will bring for me the survey at this time. Um, that we are getting ready to do. Real quick, just need to make you aware of some things. Real quick, real quick, real quick. Everybody, I need everybody to pay attention here. If you were not here earlier, there is a business meeting on October the 19th. This is going to be fun, y'all, because you're going to see the, uh, the plan for the new building project. And as I said before, this is no hype talk. I'm telling you, I am so excited about what's about to happen. This is going to be an amazing, 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 amazing project. Um... This is going to be awesome, y'all. Seriously, you are going to be so proud of where God is leading our church. And according to what I remember, Elder, Elder Maddox, I uh, think he said that somewhere around December, we're supposed to kind of get going. And that the possibility is we could be done by October, November of next year. I know, I know it don't feel like nothing is happening, but there is a lot happening, y'all. I mean, let me just tell you, 